Girlfriends, episode number 69. Do you love yourself? Hello and welcome to Girlfriends. I'm Danielle Bean. I'm a wife and a mom, and I'm on a mission to help you know your worth as a woman so you can find peace, balance, and joy in family living. This week we're talking about Facebook Live, summer plans and changes in the season, learning to love yourself, and dabbling in a little bit in some cry room politics. I can't wait to get started, so here we go. Hey, girlfriends. Welcome to another episode. I'm glad you're here. I'm really happy to be meeting up with you again this week. It's always so fun to get together like we do. Um, I had someone ask me last week when I was in Texas, I I told you last week how I was um, in Laredo, Texas, meeting the awesome women there and had a great You're Worth It retreat with the women there. Um, Somebody asked me about recording the podcast and now I feel funny about it again. When I first started recording the podcast, I did feel weird, like sitting alone in a room just talking what seems like to myself. Um, And I kind of got over that, but then somebody asked me about it uh, last weekend in Texas, and now I'm thinking about it again. Like, oh, here I am talking to myself. Well, I happen to be talking to myself sitting in my car at the baseball field. Where else would I be, right? It is April in New Hampshire. Where else would Danielle Bean be but at the baseball field? Um, except I don't have my boys playing baseball right now. They actually asked me to drive them over here so they could play tennis. I'm recording this on Saturday, a little bit ahead of time. I've got some travel and different things coming up, so I'm going to be working a little bit ahead on these next few episodes. I don't want to miss a week, but that means i got to be a little more organized, um, which means I'm spending a little time this Saturday while the boys are playing tennis, which is great. Dan played in college, so uh, and he and I used to teach together, but they get their talent from him, thank goodness, <laughs> for their sake. Um, but it's a great sport, and, and I love that they're they're getting into it, even my little guys. So um, it's my two youngest and then my middle child, Stephen, who are at the courts today. So a lot of fun, and we've got some pretty decent weather to enjoy it. It's not snowing, so I'll take that. I heard it was snowing in Denver this weekend, so um, that made me feel pretty okay about life. Sorry, Denver people. But whoa, crazy. I know. No more snow, please. I packed up all the winter stuff yesterday. I dared to. And I thought, now you were going to get hit with a major snowstorm. But I like washed all the hats and gloves and made sure everything was paired and threw away the singletons and um, got that all put away for another season. Speaking of singletons, with regard to laundry, this is so funny because, you know, I go round and round and people have all different kinds of um, philosophies with regard to, and it's going to sound like I'm talking so seriously, but I'm talking about socks, okay? Talking about doing your sock laundry. People, like, you know, some people do like a community sock basket, which I've kind of come around to, especially with my, my younger kids, my boys. They do not care about sharing socks. And so I've got like this community sock basket rather than try to have everybody has their brand of socks and their particular kind they like and whatever. Just... I do wash them and I I wash them generally separately from the rest of the laundry. If somebody has socks that are really important to them, um, they can, you know, they can do their own laundry, do their own socks and keep track of their socks that way. But for the most part, socks end up in communal laundry, which I've shared about laundry in the past. I'm not going to go into my whole system. Just know my system's awesome and it's life changing. And if you want to know more about it, you know, contact me and I'll be glad <laughs> to hook you up with the episode where I, where I share about that. Anyway, talking about socks. Um, so folding, uh, putting together socks, pairing socks is like a major 
project. I did it this morning, actually. But what was so gratifying to me was the fact that, you know, we had all the clean socks. They were just in this basket in the bathroom near the laundry machines. And this morning I just spent, I don't know, 20 minutes just pairing what socks we had, throwing away whatever looked too ratty and then putting all the singletons back. But after I did that, my little boys, when they were getting ready to come play tennis and we were putting on their socks and sneakers, were so happy to have a basket of matched clean socks. You wouldn't believe. You'd think this never happens in our house. I happen to know it happens on a regular basis. But they were so grateful. And they were like, thanks, Mom. So glad we've got these socks. And I don't know. That was really gratifying for me because it's so simple and so dumb. Something I do kind of dread, but that was like positive feedback and so cute that they were so enthusiastic about socks. Um, and while I was away last weekend, Dan did the whole sock thing. Uh, he was texting me. He said, I washed, I think, a million socks and there's not a single pair, which is the other part of the problem here. If you have some way of um, washing large quantities of pairs of socks that works for you and then matching them without spending a great deal of time. I'd love to know it. I've thought about buying all one brand, um, but I tend to buy the brands like the Under Armour and Nike, the ones that my kids like and they're kind of good quality. And I'll get them at TJ Maxx so that they're marked down or, you know, a similar store, Marshalls or whatever. Um, but then I find that I'm buying a different style each time because those styles just change. You can't predict what's going to be available there. So I don't know if it's worth a major investment in getting all one kind because then everything matches with everything. That sounds like a dream come true. Anyway, how did I start talking about socks? <laughs> anyway, let's get back on on track here. Um, I, I told you I was going to share a little bit about Facebook Live. I'm pretty excited about an event that I have coming up, Facebook Live this week, and I'm hoping you'll be able to join me for it. Coming up this Wednesday on May 3rd from 4 p.m. Eastern to 5 p.m. Eastern, I'm going to be doing a Facebook Live um, on Ascension Press's Facebook page. I'm pretty excited to be doing this. And part of why I'm doing it, I can't share all the details just yet, but I'm about to share some details. And I, I hope to be able to share them during that Facebook Live announce something exciting that's going on with the podcast, um, some behind the scenes stuff that's happening with girlfriends that I'm excited about, enthusiastic about, looking forward to the future about. I'm very happy and excited to be working with Ascension Press. And I'll, I'll announce some of the details in that Facebook Live coming up Wednesday, May 3rd. Okay, so that's this coming week at 4 p.m. Eastern daylight time, right? I think that's what we say this time of year. Um, so yeah, if you can join me for that, I would love it. If you have questions, this is just going to be kind of an open-ended conversation. So if you have questions, you can send them to me beforehand, danielle at daniellebean.com, or you can leave comments at daniellebean.com in the show notes here for this episode. But if you just want to show up and send your comments and hit that like button and encourage me, <laughs> that would be great. Um, so I'd love to see you this coming Wednesday, May 3rd from 4 to 5 p.m. Eastern Time. Okay, so I wanted to talk a little bit about summer plans um, because coming up next weekend, I'm going to be in Houston speaking at the Together in Holiness conference that's being put on there. So that's um, this coming weekend, Saturday, May 6th in Houston, Texas. I've got the link in the show notes if you want to check that out. If you live anywhere near there, I would love to have you come out and say hi to me. I love hearing from people who listen to the podcast in real life. That way I don't feel so weird. See, I can picture your face as I'm sitting here alone in my car talking to myself. So yeah, if you're anywhere near Houston, I'd love to hear from you. Um, and I'd love for you to show up and 
and give me a shout out at the Together in Holiness conference that's happening there May 6th. Um, But after that, I'm taking a little break. I don't have a ton of stuff that's scheduled through the summer. I was kind of saying no to things throughout the summer until our family plans for vacations and trips and whatnot were finalized. I do have those finalized now. So if you or your group is interested in having me come speak, or if you're interested in the You're Worth It retreat that I've been putting on all over the country and really enjoying it, really been a great project. If you're interested in finding out more about the retreat specifically, you can go to daniellebean.com forward slash retreat. Um, Or if you're interested in having me come speak to your group or at your conference, you can contact me through um, my speaking page at daniellebean.com or just send me an email, danielle at daniellebean.com. Like I said, I've got a few dates that are open through the summer months. Um, I think I have pretty much all of our plans in place that I can can work around. And I'm also booking some dates in the fall. So I'd love to come out and meet you. I'd love to come and um, put on an event or in a retreat or be part of your conference in your community. It would be a wonderful opportunity. So connect with me if you're interested in that. All right, moving on to this week's topic. Do you love yourself? Sounds hokey, right? I mean, it sounds almost like, you know, touchy-feely, new-agey kind of stuff. Love yourself. Do you love yourself? <laughs> I'm trying not to sing that uh, Justin Bieber song, <laughs> Love Yourself, although I actually really like that song. Um, it's on my running playlist. But do you love yourself? Okay, what made me think about talking about this here today? This is actually at the heart of what I do. I mean, you know, the tagline that I like to use is know your worth, find your joy. I'm all about teaching women to know what they're worth, teaching women, if you want to put it in a hokier way, to love themselves. And what does that mean? You know, I was thinking about it this week because there's another podcast that I enjoy listening to. It's a fitness podcast. It's called Fit Chicks Chat. And it's these two Canadian women, um, at least one of whom was formerly involved in like fitness competitions. They have a gym together. They do, you know, personal training and that's their business. And the podcast is part of that. And they talk about all different health related, fitness related, diet related, you know, exercise, whatever topics. And I really enjoy a lot of what they share. But this past week, they had a show where they were talking about body image. And um, we've talked about body image before here at Girlfriends, and I'll I'll link to that show in the show notes if you're interested in checking that out. Um, So this isn't specifically talking about body image, but, you know, their whole show and what kind of left me feeling like, ah, there's more to say about this, was they were talking about women who struggle with body image and they were saying how, you know, women struggle with being being truly worthy and uh, especially in, in some of the things they've been involved with in, in fitness competitions and, um, you know, different kinds of things that, that women are involved in or in modeling, that that's super competitive and you end up feeling in those situations like your whole worth is about your physical fitness or your physical attractiveness, your beauty, your body, um, that that's where you discern your worth. And they were rejecting that to their credit. And saying how important it is to recognize, um, they were talking about one woman they know in particular who was formerly involved in, you know, a lot of a lot of different fitness, and she had recently caused an uproar on her Facebook page by showing a photo of herself now in comparison with a previously super fit body that she used to have. Um, I, I don't think she's terribly out of shape, but she's no longer, you know, super fitness model type. And was saying, I love myself more now. I love my body more now. Um, and, you know, th- that caused a huge reaction. And that was part of why um, these two different women in the podcast were talking about body image that really kind of inspired them. Like, wow, what does that mean? How, how does somebody take what looks like a reverse before and after? <laughs> 
and say, I love myself more now. I, I love my body more now that when, you know, our culture is always pushing us to say, you know, I, I I'm trying to improve ourselves and never being satisfied with what we look like and what we feel like. So I thought that was really, it was a helpful um, conversation that they shared in the podcast, but what they ultimately ended up coming to conclude was you can't be looking for your self-worth. You can't be looking to prove yourself through your physical body. You can't be looking for other people to approve of you physically, and that's how you feel good about yourself. They were saying, you need, that needs to come from you, that your self-worth, your self-love needs to come from you, was ultimately what their conclusion was. And I was left thinking, uh... That's going to leave a lot of people in a bad place, actually. I know it sounds good and it, it's like, it sounds like the right thing to say. Like, no, no, you need to love yourself regardless of what other people say or what other people think. And, um, but it doesn't come from you. See, that's the problem. And that's the problem that I had with the conversation that they were having was it doesn't come from you. It doesn't come from me. My self-worth doesn't come from myself. If I'm trying to conjure up some, you know, self-confidence and self-love just inside of myself, I'm going to find fear and loathing and insecurity inside of there, you know? I'm not going to find some magical formula for self-love. Even if I make myself say that and try to make myself believe it, somehow it comes up empty because we're not the source of our own happiness. We're not the source of our self-worth. And that's, you know, going back to my tagline, know your worth, find your joy. That is what I'm all about is teaching women to know what they're worth, but then know where it comes from. And it comes from our identity as daughters of God. It comes from our identity as being a human being made in the image and likeness of God, whom God loves and knows uniquely, deeply, personally, intimately. God knows you're worth it. God knows your worth. He knows your dignity. He knows you inside and out with all of your flaws and all of your mess ups and all of your mistakes. And he loves you anyway. And he calls you anyway. He seeks a relationship with you anyway. I can't think of anything in the world that would be a greater boost to self-confidence than truly knowing and recognizing that truth. That's the message that I feel like women need to hear today. That's so countercultural. You know, I think that our, our culture, even inside of, you know, that podcast that I was referencing, gets it partly right sometimes. Like, no, it doesn't matter, you know, what the scale says. That's not that's not a determination of your worth as a human being, what size jeans you wear. Yeah, they get that part right. But then when they're telling you, you need to seek it inside of yourself, seek your worth and seek your happiness inside of yourself, it needs to come from you. I think that's really setting people up for failure. And to some extent, even those of us who are Catholic and live out, you know, try our best to live out faithful um, lives in with regard with the church and those of us even who study theology, the body and whatnot, we still fall prey to that kind of cultural idea that we have to do it ourselves. Like we have to make ourselves worthy. We have to find our own worth and that that confidence and that security and that self-love needs to come from us. And I think that's such a dangerous idea. It's really setting people up for failure because like I said, you're going to find a great big mess if you start looking inside yourself. Because we are. We're a great big mess. We're a fallen, fallen nature. 
we're all of us have our own flaws and weaknesses and we know them so well and that's part of what can be so discouraging and i think that's why more than ever we need to hear that gospel message of that jesus wants to speak to the heart of each of us about our dignity and about our worth as human beings about our worth as women so that we can find joy cuz ultimately that's all all of us ever want you know all of us ever all we want is that that peace that we're doing things right that balance in our lives feeling like all the things that we care about are in order i think so many of us struggle because we we as women have so many different responsibilities we feel pulled in so many directions and sometimes what's lacking is that at our very core that knowing of our worth we can't find joy in the everyday living out of our our duties and responsibilities and all the messiness of everyday life we can't find joy in that if we're not right at the center if we're not right at our core if we don't have the right perspective there knowing that our dignity and worth isn't something that we conjure up ourselves it isn't something that other people can put upon us other people can bestow upon us self-confidence or self-love it only comes from a relationship with god we can only know that kind of joy the one that we're all seeking inside of a relationship with Jesus. And that's the countercultural message that I, I want you to hear today when we're talking about, do you love yourself? I really do want you to think about that question, not in a hokey, new agey kind of love yourself way, but in a true, authentic way. How do you feel about yourself? I think a lot of us women especially, and I can speak for women because I know these things personally and intimately, and I've seen my friends and sisters and girlfriends struggle with this. So many of us are walking around loathing ourselves. Sometimes it has to do with body image. Sometimes it has to do with just how we behave inside of relationships. Sometimes it has to do with past sinfulness or current sinfulness or being wounded from relationships in your past. We're all kind of walking around a mess. And to some extent, some of us have bought a message of self-loathing. And that's so sad to me because God wants you to be happy. He wants you to find joy inside of a relationship with him. And we need to hear that life-giving message. And yet we sometimes we shut ourselves off to it. Or we start looking for it in the ways that the culture teaches us to look for our self-worth. And that... That is the real disaster, I think. And those of us who are raising daughters, I'm talking specifically about female perspective here, because I think it is a unique perspective. I think we experience this uniquely. It really is a human thing. Um, Definitely, um, men struggle with this too. But I think it's slightly different the ways in which men struggle with their self-worth. But women... I find in, I found in my own life and in relationships with other people that they really do struggle in a very basic way with knowing they're worth it, with knowing they're worthy of being loved. So many of us might pay lip service to that, but then our actions tell us something different. We put up obstacles inside of our relationship with Jesus. We put up obstacles in our relationships with other human beings because on some basic level, we feel that perhaps we're not worthy of being loved. And that's a message inside of our hearts and our minds that's so destructive that it can only come from one place. That's not from God. That's not the voice of God telling you that you're not worthy, that you can't be loved. So I think it's so important that we recognize, ask ourselves that question. Do I love myself? Sometimes the answer is, is scary to admit that we struggle with that. We struggle with knowing we're worthy of being loved. We're worthy of goodness. We're worthy of joy. That God made us for a relationship with him and to be happy with him forever in the next life. 
that's a beautiful message. And yet, do you believe it at your core? I think it's important to, to recognize the ways in which sometimes we're tempted to find our worth in ways that the culture or even our friends and family might be encouraging us to. Um, like the podcast that I mentioned, it might be through your fitness, through your body image through your attractiveness. This is something I think young girls in our culture learn early on because female attractiveness is such a powerful force. You know, give a 13-year-old girl the body of a woman, and many of them have that, and they realize as much as they might be uncomfortable with it in certain ways, and I know this from my own experience of my own changing body as a teenager, there's a great level of discomfort and feeling alien in your own body, and yet also recognizing that it's very powerful. Girls learn early on that physical attractiveness and their their bodies and their sexuality is a powerful thing. They can control people. They can control boys. They can get attention for themselves. And it's just, it's such a powerful thing that it's so important that you be talking to your daughters if you have daughters this age or approaching this age um, or, you know, at any stage along, you know, in those teen years to be talking with them about that, recognizing what a responsibility it is to possess that female attractiveness and every girl has it you know I I don't even care if there's you know a teenage girl that struggles with her weight or whatnot there on some level every every female possesses that attractiveness at at her core that beauty that feminine beauty which is such an alluring thing such an attractive thing that's meant to be a force for the good and yet it's so easy to misuse it or to seek your self worth inside of it And that's empty and it's hollow. And if any of you have ever experienced any level of doing that, of using your sexuality or using your body in that way, you know how hollow it is. You know how empty it leaves you afterwards. So, you know, um, but then as you get older, even if you're married, you can still fall prey to this. Um, Even if you're not looking for sexual attention from other men, maybe you're trying to reach a physical goal, whether it's losing weight or, um, you know, some physical accomplishment in some way that you feel like when I'm there, that's when that's when I'll be a worthy human being. You know, when, when I weigh 30 pounds less, that's when my life can begin. And maybe you're not spelling it out real clearly like that because it sounds obviously dumb if you say, oh, yeah, I can't start my life yet. I can't um, I can't have a good relationship with anybody until I weigh 30 pounds less. But challenge yourself. Is there something in your life that you're saying that about? Is there some way in your life that you're embracing that kind of perspective with regard to your own worthiness? And it might not be physicality for you. Um, another way that our culture encourages um, seeking our self-worth is in material goods or in social status or um, success at work. You know, once you achieve a certain status at work, that we should have those goals, that that's where we'll learn to love ourselves. If if I get that promotion, if I earn X amount of dollars, if we buy that big house and I finally feel like I've arrived, if I can drive that fancy car or whatever it is, you know, um, for me, I've never felt an attraction for, you know, large, fancy house and whatnot. I don't tend to, that doesn't tend to be a temptation of mine. I'm very practical. But on the other hand, yeah, sometimes it it was about having um, certain creature comforts that I felt were like a basic right of mine as a human being, whether it was, you know, fancy new appliances or a, a minivan or, um, you know, having my kids participate in certain activities or certain kinds of clothes and, you know, whatever it is that's that temptation for you where 
maybe you're looking to establish your self-worth in a, in a way that doesn't actually make sense in the long run, in a way that doesn't even match up with your values. Sometimes we need to pause and question ourselves because we kind of get sucked up along with maybe the people you're hanging out with, maybe the kinds of media you're taking in, how you're discerning your self-worth. It really does get influenced by those things. So I think it's really important sometimes to just pause, hit that reset button and say, okay, what's going on here? Why am I doing these things? Why am I spending money on these things? Why am I feeling out of place? Why am I feeling like I can't I, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not fully worthy of being happy or I, I haven't achieved my perfect happiness yet. Why am I feeling this empty longing and trying to fill it with material goods perhaps or with um, career success or even our, our own talents? God gives us great talents. I mean, so many women have so many beautiful talents and, and yet sometimes we flip it on its head by trying to say, okay, I am, I am really good at, uh, you know, whatever, homemaking in some way. I'm, I'm the best homemaker, mom, PTA mom, bring the homemade cupcakes. I know I've certainly fallen prey to this out of necessity. I've given it up over the years because I became less and less quote unquote perfect at all of those homemaker things because life is crazy and our family life grew and my life changed and I had had to adapt in ways I never could have anticipated. So out of necessity, I had to give up those kinds of striving for perfection, but I, I do recall it vividly, feeling like, without ever pausing to think, oh, I'm, I'm trying to find myself worth in creating the perfect cupcake, which of course sounds stupid, but maybe that's what we're doing on some level. I just want to challenge you to ask yourself what kinds of things are important to you, what kinds of things you're spending your time and your money on, what, what kinds of things you're good at that maybe you're tempted to think make you worthy or potentially can make you worthy if you become good enough at them or perfect enough at them? What things are you kind of filling that gap with where God belongs? Whatever it is, you know, it might be something I haven't even mentioned in your own life. What is it that you're looking to fill that gap with to truly love yourself, to truly accept yourself, to truly feel at home and comfortable and balanced and peaceful and happy in your own skin? What is it? that you're trying to replace God with. It might even be human relationships. Human relationships are beautiful. And it's wonderful that we spend our time and attention and our energy on working on our relationships, working on our marriages, working on our parenting, doing things for our kids. But how much of it are you doing because you think you're going to earn some worthiness or earn somebody's love, earn the right to be here through them? It's important that we challenge ourselves even with good things, especially with good things, because the temptation is to think, oh, this isn't bad. I'm focused on having the perfect marriage. I'm focused on being the best mom I can be to my kids. Those are fine. Those are great things. Those are worthy goals. But how much are you looking to seek your self-worth inside of those things? What if your, what if your perfect marriage fell apart tomorrow and it could happen through no fault of your own? What, what if, you know, your, all of your, your parenting methods all failed and, or one of your children with that darn self-will, <laughs> self-determination that God gave them chooses a life of crime or whatever it is, you know, what if that's not where we're supposed to find our worth? What, what are you trying to replace God with? What are you trying to replace a relationship with God, a connection with God with? What are you using in your life to distract yourself? from those things. 
You know, and sometimes a, a good way to recognize if you're falling prey to this or if you need work in this area, if you need a hard reset with regard to your image, your self-image, your self-worth and um, your, your self-love and worthiness is to think about how often you compare yourself with other people. This is something we've talked about before. We talked about jealousy and competition in the past here at Girlfriends, multiple episodes, I think, where, you know, how much do you find yourself noticing what's going on in other people's lives and then seeing how you stack up next to it? Whether it's to notice that you're doing much better than they are and then saying, all right, I'm doing pretty okay. Or to notice how much better they're doing than you are and then to beat yourself up about it or to resent your family because they're not matching up. How much are you doing that? Um, you know, I think it's it's important to pause and ask ourselves these questions. And so one way you can find out if you're focused on the wrong things is to recognize how often you are comparing yourself to other people. And it doesn't mean you would never notice other people's possessions or accomplishments or talents or beauty, but just are you using it as a measuring stick for yourself? Are you using it to discern how far you've come and how far you need to go? Um, you know, ask yourself that. I love that um, C.S. Lewis once said, true humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. And I find that there's a lot of freedom in those words, if you really think about it. There's a ticket to freedom from the kind of slavery I think many of us are in, the enslavement to comparison and petty jealousies and insecurity. That Those words are a helpful reminder to me that those times in your life where you're feeling insecure, when I'm feeling insecure, that is coming from a place of pride, right? You're thinking too much about yourself. I have to stop sometimes and say, why am I feeling self-conscious? Why am I feeling insecure? Why am I feeling this lack of confidence in this situation? And it's because I'm thinking way too much about myself and not focusing on the other. God didn't make us to be self-focused like that. That's a recipe for anxiety and depression and complete and total feeling of helplessness or hopelessness and failure. Because none of us is perfect. And that self-focus leads us to a place where we recognize it so clearly and we fall short. We see all the ways in which we fall short. But God made us to be focused on the other. He made us for communion with him ultimately. But in the meantime, he's made us for relationships with other people here on earth in the meantime. And the less we're focused on ourselves, the more energy we have to focus on other people. Think about the types of people you like to be around, people who make you feel good, the people that you look forward to connecting with, hanging out with, talking with. They're not the people who are self-focused and insecure. They're the people who are looking to connect with you, who look you in the eye and ask you questions about your life and are genuinely interested. Don't you want to be that person? Don't you want to be the person who sees the other, who meets the other, who sees the needs of others and works toward meeting those needs rather than being self-focused? I think it's a really important reminder that all forms of insecurity come from a place of pride. Sometimes we think it's the opposite of pride, right? We think, oh, I'm, I'm so humble. I, I'm just so focused on all of my flaws. But that quote from C.S. Lewis is true. True humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's not knowing all your flaws and talking about your flaws. That's not humility. It's thinking of yourself less. Just trusting God and, you know, being at peace. And that comes from, at, at your core, 
being right with God. And that comes from having a relationship with him in the first place, seeking your worthiness inside of that relationship, seeking your self-identity, your purpose, and your worth in the context of your relationship with God. Knowing and recognizing that you are a human being made in the image and likeness of God and that makes you dignified, that makes you worthy, that makes you beautiful, that you're redeemed because of God inside of that relationship with God. And then being at peace with that, that frees you to focus on other people and become the kind of person that God is calling you to be, outwardly focused on other people, not in that place of insecurity, which truly has pride at its root. So those are some of the challenges that I wanted to share with you this week to really think about what it means to love yourself and where you are with regard to that in your own life. Are you seeking your self-worth inside of places, inside of relationships, inside of accomplishments that are ultimately going to leave you empty? If you're seeking your self-worth outside of your relationship with God, you've got it wrong. And so many of us do, even at some, at, you know, some distant level, sometimes it's important to pause and ask yourself and then rein yourself back in, truly focus on what really matters. I'd love it if you'd share with me some of your experiences with self-worth and self-worthiness and self-love and what your, what your thoughts are about what I've shared here today. I'd love to have your input. You can email me at danielle at daniellebean.com. Of course, you can always go to my website, daniellebean.com, and click to leave voicemail there or connect with me on Voxer. Super fun, easy app. You just use your phone and it works just like a walkie-talkie. You can easily record voice messages and um, send them to me at danielle at daniellebean.com. I've got the link to connect with me on Voxer and all the other links to social media and whatnot, all the ways you can get in touch with me in the show notes for this episode at daniellebean.com. Before we move on to a reader question here, I just want to shout out and give a thank you to Dan, who is the girlfriend's latest supporter on Patreon.com. I don't know if this is a husband-wife account, but the name Dan is on this account, so it may mean, it may mean that we have another male who's willing to admit that he listens to girlfriends, <laughs> along with our good friend, David, who um, so frequently leaves voicemail and is confident enough in his masculinity to admit that he listens to and enjoys and supports the Girlfriends podcast. But so thank you, Dan, who's the latest latest supporter of Girlfriends on Patreon. If you're not familiar with Patreon, it's an easy way you can pledge your support for the production of this podcast. When you pledge your support there in the amount of as little as a dollar per episode. I am so grateful and so encouraged. And it really truly does make a difference in all that's involved behind the scenes in making every episode of this podcast. It truly is a great help to me when you're financially able to support the podcast. Dan is our latest supporter. So thank you to Dan. And you too can become a supporter at patreon.com forward slash girlfriends. If you appreciate what I do here at Girlfriends, if you want to encourage me to continue to produce this podcast and make it available to everyone for free every week, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash girlfriends. Thank you so much. And now it's time for a listener question. Um, This week I heard from listener Erin who emailed to ask me briefly for my take on the cry room wars. Now, cry room wars have been going on forever, I think, (laughs) at least as long as I can remember. There have been 
wars going on back and forth about children's behavior at mass and um, whether or not there should be cry rooms and who should be in them and how you intervene if somebody's not using the cry room and they need to be using the cry room or if parents should have to use the cry room. And Anyway, you know what I mean. This has been going on since time eternal. And um, Aaron was inspired to write and ask my take on it after I shared recently um, about children's behavior at Mass and some of the strategies that we've used over the years to help our kids learn how to behave at Mass. But this all recently came to a head and Aaron helpfully shared a link to um, Kendra Tierney, who is a popular blogger at Catholic All Year. She, and I saw this post when it was kind of going all over Facebook, she kind of blew up Facebook with this kind of tongue-in-cheek but not really suggestion and I thought it was so funny at the time I mean it, it was great and I understand why it got shared so many times and people had so many comments on it um when she was saying yeah we we, we should have a separate room at parishes um and we should call it the silent worshippers room and that's where you direct people to go if they're disturbed by children being at mass making normal children sounds and children's behavior that you can go into the silent worshiper room and have your silent worship there. I understand the frustration behind that. Um, and I totally get it. I, I, you know, I've been on all sides of this. I have been at masses where it was unbelievable what was going on in the pew in front of us or behind us. And, uh, you know, just kind of watched in awe as parents seemed oblivious to the fact that their children were being seriously disruptive. I think we've all seen that. We can't pretend that that doesn't happen. It does for sure happen. You know, it's an imperfect world and there are all kinds of parents out there and all kinds of families out there and you're going to run into it sometimes. You know, it's a great big Catholic universe and sometimes you'll be surprised at what's going on in the pew right next to you. But, you know, so I've witnessed that for sure. I, I didn't say anything and certainly wasn't trying to resolve the situation by giving dirty looks. Um, I think it's helpful if maybe if you're finding it really disturbing to, you know, remove yourself. Um, maybe you don't have to go into the silent worshippers room. Not that there are any of those yet that I know of. Um, but maybe go to another pew. Um, I know that we've done that before. Well, with my husband, uh, actually not too long ago, I was attending mass. It was just Dan and Dan and I together. And we were so disturbed and being actually physically touched by the children going underneath the pew and climbing our legs. And at one point, one of them actually hurt me because when you're kneeling and your, your feet go like on the other, you know, behind you, the kid was underneath there and was like hitting my feet. It was it was way beyond, you know, <laughs> what is acceptable in mass. And the way we handled it was we moved. And, it, you know, I don't know what was going on with that family. And, you know, you never know what's going on in someone else's life. And, you know, anyway, so you can remove yourself. But then we've also been on the other side of it. I mean, I've had all manner of behaviors in mass. And I've been alone at mass with my kids and felt absolutely desperate about the fact that they would not behave, would not listen, broke out into fist fights in the middle of mass, um, or having to bring, being so frustrated with having to bring the baby to the back and feeling like I never get to actually pay attention to the mass. I, I understand all of that. I've also had um, old ladies, for the most part, it's older ladies who are doing this, <laughs> come up to me before Mass has started. And this has happened on more than one occasion in the same church. It's not our parish, but it's one that we've been to a number of times, um, who would come up to me before Mass has started when I'm sitting there with my children to tell me where the cry room is. 
as if to instruct me to go there now with my children before mass starts. Um, when I have no intention of going in the cry room with my children who are, you know, at the time sitting quietly waiting for mass to start. So I understand the frustrations and the offense that many of us feel on all sides of this. Um, so, you know, Aaron, to answer your question about where I fall on it, I, I mean, I fall on humanity's side. Let's be human. Let's allow one another to be human. Let's give each other a little space. Um, one article that I read recently was by Colleen Duggan at Alatea, and she shared a helpful perspective on the whole thing where she said, you know what, I think we need to, we need to be a little more gracious with one another. Ultimately, that's what comes out of this on all sides. Maybe we need to be a little more understanding of the, the older people who, who really, you know, might have trouble hearing and mass is something they look forward to all week and they don't want to miss father's homily. And they're not living with little children anymore so that what feels normal, what feels like a normal level of noise and commotion to you feels crazy to them. Maybe we need to be a little more generous in how we respond to them, a little more patient, give them a little more space in the same way that we want others on the other side to give families and young children a little bit of space a lot let's tolerate each other a little better you know um colleen shared very helpfully inside of her article um from romans 12 where she quoted be devoted to one another in brotherly love give preference to one another in honor don't be haughty, but associate with the lowly. If you can, be at peace with all men. Bless those who persecute you. Do not curse them. Practice hospitality. How much better would everyone's mass experience be if we were all focused on that, that set of guidelines. In fact, when I read that quote from her, it reminded me of Easter Sunday Mass. This year, Easter Sunday, we went to um, my son's school, my son Eamon, who attends St. Anselm College here in New Hampshire, which is a Benedictine school. And we were there for Easter Sunday Mass this year. And Father gave a beautiful homily in which he highlighted, and I've looked it up here, um, chapter 72 of the rule of St. Benedict. If you're not familiar with the rule of St. Benedict, it's, um, you know, Benedict founded the Benedictine order and the rule is actually a list of rules. It's the guidelines by which he established this community of monks and the, the rules that they follow, their rules of community. Um, so chapter 72, which was quoted by father in his homily, um, I'm just going to read from it here. Just as there is a wicked zeal of bitterness which separates from God and leads to hell, so there is a good zeal which separates from evil and leads to God and everlasting life. This, then, is the good zeal which monks must foster with fervent love. They should each try to be the first to show respect to the other. That's quoting Romans chapter 12. Supporting with the greatest patience one another's weaknesses of body or behavior and earnestly competing in obedience to one another. No one is to pursue what he judges better for himself, but instead what he judges better for someone else. To their fellow monks, they show the pure love of brothers. To God, loving fear. To their abbot, unfeigned and humble love. Let them prefer nothing whatever to Christ, and may he bring us all together to everlasting life. That is a great thing to read before you go to Mass, especially if you find yourself continually frustrated at Mass with regard to your interactions with your fellow human beings. You know, um, who was it that said they could be a saint? I think it was Flannery O'Connor. If, if not, you know, if only it weren't the people 
like didn't have to deal with the people, right? That's that's our big downfall. We can't stand the people. So I think it's um, a really helpful reminder, uh, you know, reading Romans chapter 12, but also reading this chapter 72 of the rule of St. Benedict, because it's not just for monks. It's a great rule of life for all of us. It's a great reminder to all of us of how we're meant to live in community. And we experience a unique kind of community when we participate at Mass and we join our fellow human beings from all walks of life and rub up against each other's rough edges and get on each other's nerves. Um, But I think there's a lot of room for patience and for mercy and for space, just generosity of attitude toward one another, um, regardless of whether you're the one that's holding a screaming baby or if you're the one that's annoyed by the screaming baby, I think on all sides. But I'd love to know what you think too, um, if you have a reaction to that Facebook article that was going around or to what I've shared here with regard to cry room politics or children's behavior at mass, send me your thoughts, danielle at daniellebean.com, connect with me on Boxer or through social media, send me a voicemail, you can go to daniellebean.com and click that little tab on the side. You don't need any special equipment. You can do it right from your computer or your phone to leave a voice message and I can add your voice to a future episode of Girlfriends. I'd love to hear from you. And finally, I just want to thank you for being here once again. Thank you for showing up week after week. Your presence here is a real gift to me and actually a real source of encouragement that none of us is alone in this. You're the reason that I'm here putting together this show week after week, so you're a vital part of everything that I do here at Girlfriends. Thanks for being here. And until next time, I hope you enjoy your day, and God bless your week. Girlfriends is a DanielleBean.com production. Know your worth. Find your joy.